Well, this morning I want us to go to two different passages of Scripture as we go into the Word of the Lord. Again, today uh, I am going to forego uh, teaching from the book of Mark. We may do that at some point, but I just really, uh, I've been feeling this for a few days now and, um, and really believe that this is the direction the Lord would have me to go. And so we're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 17. We're going to read two verses of Scripture there. And then we're going to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3. Luke, chapter 17, and 1 Peter, chapter 3. And I hope you got your Bibles. I hope those of you that are listening at home have got your Bibles handy. And uh, the saints of of the Truth Church know uh, that I really like for you to follow along in the scripture and see it for yourself. Amen. Read it for yourself. Don't just take my word for anything, but find it in the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 26. Luke 17 and 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Destroyed them all. Now, now don't, get, don't get too nervous this morning. I'm not going to be teaching on prophecy, so don't, don't worry about that too much today. I've got somewhere else I'm going with all of this. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 20. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. Hallelujah. The Bible says, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing. Wherein few, few That is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we have have read this morning. Jesus talked about what was going on in the days of Noah, what happened there, and he spoke of that moment when the flood came and destroyed them all. Of course, that is, uh, is excluding Noah and his family as we read uh, here in Peter's epistle when he talks about how that few, and then he identifies it was only eight souls that were saved during that time. Now we, we're in a period of time right now where, um, and I talked about this on my last podcast, but the word of the hour is crisis, and the world is in a crisis. Well, I want to tell you, you, you want to talk about a crisis. This was a crisis. In the book of Genesis, what happened in Noah's day was a crisis. And it was a crisis that affected the entire world. All the world was affected by this crisis. And what I want to do this morning, I'm going to try to be mindful of the time. In fact, I I went through and deleted a lot of my notes Uh, Anything that I felt like I didn't have to say today, I took out uh, because I've got still got a lot of ground to cover and I want to finish it this morning and not make this a two-part series. But um, I want to talk to you this morning about lessons from the world's first crisis. Lessons from the world's first crisis. Amen. Praise God. Would you put your Bible down and lift your hands, lift your voices. Let's, let's ask God to talk to us. I really feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Let's talk to the Lord, everybody, right now. Jesus, God, we need you right now. 
Jesus. I'm asking you to anoint my mind, anoint my lips. Use me, God, to help your people today. I want to say something today, God, that will be a benefit to somebody. Lord Jesus, I ask you for an anointing, not only on me, but upon the hearers, God. Lord, let them feel the hand of God upon them today. We thank you now. We thank you now. Jesus' name. Let's praise him for just a moment. Right there where you are, in your home, wherever you're at, would you just praise the Lord for a moment? Hallelujah. I'm glad God's word has some answers for us. I'm glad God's word has direction for us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. To those that are here, uh, you may be seated. And I guess if you're standing up in your living room, you got permission to sit down as well. Listen, this is a unique thing for me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to this. So uh, understand where we are. But as our, as our text points out, uh, this was a situation that came upon the early world where all but eight people on the face of the earth died. Now you want to talk about a pandemic. You want to talk about a worldwide crisis. Amen. We're, we're talking about seeing thousands die, but, but uh, whatever the world's population was during the times of Noah, and I have read scholars and theologians who believe that the world was as highly populated in Noah's day as it is in ours. Uh, you think about it, prior to the flood, folks were living six, seven, eight, nine hundred years and they're producing children. Can you imagine what the population must have been? And, and yet when this crisis hit, there were only eight that survived it. Amen. This was indeed a pandemic. Now I know some of you may say, preacher, that had nothing to do with a virus. But my response to you is this. Sin is the most dangerous virus that there is. And I'm going to tell you that without a divine blood transfusion, it is 100% fatal. Without God's help, you will die when you're infected by sin. Without God's intervention, you're not going to survive, amen, the pandemic of sin. Amen. 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 It was a virus. And it was a virus that infected the whole world, except Noah and his family who maintained spiritual distancing. Amen. It wasn't a matter of social distancing. It was spiritual distancing. While the rest of the world thought only about evil continually. Amen. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Now let me, let me, let me say something about Noah here this morning. Amen. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 tells us a little something about Noah. Amen. Read for me. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now, now look, I, I want to tell you something. Noah was not like the rest of the world. Noah was not like everybody else that was on the face of the earth in his day. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Amen. He was different than the rest. But here's what I want to tell you. He wasn't just a righteous man. He was a preacher of righteousness. Amen. This word preacher, as it appears here in the New Testament, literally means a herald or a messenger. And by application, we can say that makes Noah a teacher. Amen. Noah was the messenger of God to his generation. Amen. He continues to this day to be a teacher and a personal example to our generation. 
In fact, in our text, we saw that both the Apostle Peter and Jesus Christ himself let us know there are things we can learn about our world and our lives and our future by looking at the example of Noah. Amen. Jesus said, you want to know about the end times? I want to tell you, they're going to be just like they were in Noah's day. Go back and look at Noah and learn some lessons from Noah. Peter said, I want to tell you, just like God, amen, was patient, waited, tried to reach for folks God will do that today. But Peter said, I want to tell you the time came when the flood came upon the earth and God still brought judgment upon the ungodly. But in the midst of that, Peter said, there was a man that was teaching us about the right way to deal with things in our world. Now, as, as we are in the midst of all of this, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of things going around the internet and text messages being shared and, and, and memes being spread around that somehow appeal to Noah. And as is usually the case, um, some of them have some truth to them and some of them are, are um, a little off on the scripture. And uh, I'm not going to take the time to talk about all of them today but there's a reason why I'm mentioning that and I'll get back to that in a moment but uh, one example is I, I saw where someone said look uh, Noah only took two of everything when he went on the ark try to remember that when you go shopping that's a message for all the hoarders out there now, the problem with that is, as anybody from the truth church that's been here any length of time knows, Noah didn't just take two of everything. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it, uh, I, had a, I had a teacher in college that used to say it makes a good chart, uh, or it looks good on paper. But, uh, you know, it sounds really neat to be able to tell people, even Noah only took two of everything, but that's not biblical. That's not scriptural. And just in case someone's listening who thinks I may be wrong, read for me, Brother Hilton, Genesis chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by seven. By sevens. And if you're looking at your Bible, there's an S at the end of that word seven. By sevens. Other translations put it this way. You take 14. Read on. The male and his, the male and his female. And of and of beasts that are not and clean. And those by things two. that are not clean, you just take two. The male and his female. Uh huh. Of fowls also of the air by sevens. By sevens or seven pairs. The male and his female. Uh huh. To keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take the time of today's lesson and try to debunk. All of the memes that are out there. Uh, I'm just telling you they may make a good meme. But that doesn't mean that they're true. Praise God. Now still. Still. It'd be good if you didn't hoard. Uh, I think there's other ways we can go about saying that. And I think we can teach on, on uh, caring for others. And not being selfish. And a lot of other things that would apply to not hoarding. But, but we don't have to twist the scriptures around. And, uh, and ignore what the Bible really says. Amen. But, but be that as it may, as I see different people making references to, to, uh, to Noah during this time, it, it, it started working on me. It started, something started happening in my heart and in my spirit uh, several days ago. And, 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 and all of a sudden, uh, uh, at some time, I don't know if it was uh, sometime yesterday or the day before, I remembered a lesson I had taught this church. And it's been a number of years back, but I taught a lesson to this church that I entitled, uh, All I Need to Know I Learned from Noah's Ark. Or I may have abbreviated it to, to, uh, to Lessons from Noah's Ark. And, and I went through some things in that that I'm not going to 
go back and cover all of them today. There will be a few things that I'll pull from that lesson, but there's somewhere else that I'm really going before I finish today. But in that lesson, I, I shared with the church uh, an article I had read uh, as leading up to that, and, and it, that article was entitled, All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Noah's Ark, and, and it had a list of things for us to consider uh, for life, such as plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. And stay fit. When you're 600 years old, someone might ask you to do something really big. Uh, another said, don't listen to critics. Just do what has to be done. And then they said, build on high ground. They said, for safety's sake, travel in pairs. They said, two heads are better than one. Uh, they said, speed isn't always an advantage. The cheetahs were on board, but so were the snails. Another one said, if you can't fight or flee, float. Uh, another said, take care of your animals as if they were the last ones on earth. Uh, then they said, don't forget, we're all in the same boat. Another said, when the stench gets really bad, don't sit there and complain. Start shoveling. Well, uh, another said, stay below deck during the storm. And uh, then another said, remember, amateurs built the ark. Professionals built the Titanic. Another one said, if you have to start over, have a friend by your side. And then they said, remember that the woodpeckers on the inside are often a bigger threat than the storm on the outside. And then they said, don't miss the boat. And the last one was, no matter how bleak it looks, there's always a rainbow on the other side. So these, these were just things that were drawn, and it was a, it was a neat little article and, and, and a lot of good Proverbs, if I could use it that way to kind of help us get some perspective in life. And, and I shared all that with the church. But I, I don't want to spend my time on just good Proverbs. I believe there are some much deeper lessons which can and should be learned from the true story of Noah and the ark. Amen. I want to talk about those things today. Because as I said, this was the first crisis uh, to ever hit the world and and I've taught the church about the importance of first things amen we've talked about how valuable the first time something appears in scripture that it becomes to us and how we need to go back at it go back and look at it and and study it and and come to know it and so what I want to do today I want to just try for just a few moments to talk about some real valuable lessons uh, that we do need to learn from the story of Noah and the ark. Amen. First of all, let's go to Genesis. And I'm going to try to read these quickly because I know, uh, I know time is running out. But, but uh, Genesis, uh, and, and no, it's, it's not even 11 o'clock, but, but uh, there are those that will run out before my time. Uh, thinks it's run out. So that's why I'm saying that. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Read. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Yes. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Yes. Now verse 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man. I will destroy man. Whom I have created from the face of the earth. Yes. Both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me. It that repenteth I have me that I made. Now, why did God say I'm going to destroy man? It's because of this principle. God never tolerates sin. If there is any lesson we ought to learn from the first worldwide crisis uh, is that God does not turn a blind eye to sin. God cares about us. Amen. When we sin, God's concerned. God doesn't like it when people live in sin because sin will separate you from God. It always has and it always will. It hasn't changed just because we're in a New Testament era. God didn't turn around and say, 
I'm no longer the mean, angry God I used to be. He's never been a mean, angry God, but he's never tolerated sin. And I'm preaching today, amen, to a world. You want to know what will help America? It's not going to be a financial bailout. It's not going to be a change in laws. You want to know what America needs? America needs to repent of the sin it has embraced for so long. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was sin that caused man to be banished from the Garden of Eden. Sin is the punishment for death. Again, it always has been and it always will be. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The, son shall uh, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. I've got to hurry through this. I've got a long way to go. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Just in case you say, well, that's Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages, For of, the sin wages of sin is death. Is death. The wages of sin is death. Present tense right now in the New Testament church age. The wages of sin is still death. God destroyed the entire world except Noah and his family because of sin. So let me just tell you this. It didn't matter that everybody was doing it. The fact that, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. The fact that everybody was doing it did not convince God that it was okay. God wasn't looking to see what the majority thought about any lifestyle. God didn't care about what the majority said about any activity. When God declares it's sin, it's still sin. And God will judge sin. So you can tell me everybody's doing it. And so they were in Noah's day. Noah and the seven members of his immediate family were the only ones not doing it. In a world that no doubt numbered into, I think I'm safe in saying at least the hundreds of thousands, if not the millions or billions. There were only eight of them that were not doing it. But God didn't excuse it because it was popular. God didn't spare Noah's world and he won't spare ours either. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 6 through 12. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in They're store. kept in store. Reserved unto, reserved unto fire. Against the day against of judgment. The day of judgment and perdition and of ungodliness. Godly men. Now we can go on. I don't have time to read all of this. But let me just tell you. God still has judgment coming for this whole world. Amen. I, I'm not trying to say that this virus is the judgment of God. I don't know. Amen. Who originated it. I'm not, I'm not going to try to pontificate and make that decision. But this much I do know. There is a day of judgment coming on this whole world. God still hates sin as much as he's ever hated sin because sin causes death and God loves his children too much to let you die. Well, hallelujah. Saying that God would overlook sin because he loves us is like saying a parent would overlook cancer in the body of their child because they love that child no your love for that child says I'm going to do something about it I'm going to eradicate it I'm going to take whatever steps I've got to take I'm not going to ignore what's killing my child and God is the same way about sin in our lives but thank God that's not the only lesson out of all of this Yes, God brought judgment. Amen. But let's read on Genesis chapter 6, verses 13 and 14. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them. I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to destroy man. I'm going to destroy the earth. Read. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. 
room shalt thou make in the ark and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now let me tell you something. Amen. The second lesson that we learn from the world's first crisis, amen, is simply this, that God always provides a way of escape. Amen. Yes, God hates sin. No, God will not tolerate sin. But let me tell you something else about God. When God gets ready to judge sin, he's always got a way provided that we can escape that judgment. He's not leaving us to our own devices. He's not making us come up with our own ideas. But God provides a way. He said, Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth, but I am going to provide the earth with a way that they can get out of this. I'm going to give them something that if they're willing to come my way I'm going to get them out of the judgment they don't have to die they don't have to be judged I still love them I hate what they're doing but I love them and I'll provide a way for them to get out oh hallelujah hallelujah see Abraham understood something about the nature of God when the Lord visited with him and told him, I, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Noah thought about his nephew. I mean, Abraham thought about his nephew. And, and, and he said something to God. He said, Lord, far be it from you to destroy the righteous with the wicked. That's not like you, God. Abraham said, I know you well enough, Jehovah. I've spent enough time talking to you. I've spent enough time in your presence. There is one thing I've learned about you. You don't destroy the righteous with the wicked. I'm telling you, even when God got ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he provided a way out. And I'm here to preach to somebody here today. That same God is sitting on the throne. And though you may be plagued with this disease of sin... And though God may be ready to send judgment, I'm going to tell you that same God loves you enough. He's created an ark. He's given you a place. He's given you a way to escape. Hallelujah. Read for me 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. There hath no temptation taken no you. No temptation taken you. But such as is common to man. Yes, but now listen to this. I love this. But God is but faithful. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. Yeah. But, will, but he with will the temptation. With the temptation. Also make a way also to escape. Also make a way to escape that's the God that I serve amen even when he's going to send judgment he's got a way for us to get out of it praise God amen the third lesson the third lesson that I want to bring to you amen let's go on we're Genesis chapter 6 and, and we read verse 14 let's go back and read it again let's read verses 14 through 16 May be an ark of gopher wood. Now, 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 I want you just to pay attention as he's reading here. I want you to notice, make an ark of gopher wood. God didn't say, find any kind of wood you want. God was specific. I'm going to tell you exactly what kind of wood to use. Read. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark. And, and then God said, I'm not going to let you come up with your own design. I'm going to tell you exactly how I want it to look. You're going to build some rooms inside that ark. Read. And shall pitch it within and without. And, with and then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, Noah, how you need to treat the inside and how you need to treat the outside. Read. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300. Cubits. I'm going to tell you how long it's going to be. The breadth of it. I'm going to tell you how wide it's going to be. And the height of it. I'm going to tell you how tall it's going to be. A window shalt thou make to the ark. And build one window in the ark. And in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. Yes. And the door of the ark. And a door. There's one there. door. The door of the ark. With lower. Lower. Second. second. And third story the, shalt thou make. Look, I want to tell you. God. When God said. I'm going to provide a boat. That will survive this storm. He didn't leave anything to Noah's imagination. 
He didn't let Noah come up with his own design. He didn't let Noah become the architect of the ark. He said, I'm going to tell you how long to make it, how wide to make it, how high to make it, how many windows, how many doors, how many floors it's got. I'm going to give you the exact instructions. I'm going to tell you this. God is a meticulous God. And here's lesson number three. God's plan is the only acceptable plan. God's not going to change it. God is not going to do anything to adjust it, even to enlarge the crowd. Well, hallelujah. Amen. God could have said, now Noah, here's what I want you to do. Set up a barbecue outside the door. Invite your neighbors over. Let's do it this way. Let's have a giveaway. He didn't do that. God set up one plan for escape. And God said, as much as I want the world to be saved, they're only going to be saved my way. Hear me today. The number of people saved was never the issue. Obedience to God's plan was the issue. 1 Peter 3 verse 20, read it. Would sometime sometime were disobedient. Read. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, uh-huh. while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Listen to me. When God saw that only eight people are going to be saved, he didn't say, okay, let's rethink this. Okay, let's adjust this. Okay, let's see if we can do something to make it easier for everybody. Let's try to find some other way to accommodate bigger crowds. No, God established a plan, and he said, if they want to be saved, here's the plan. They come this way or not amen there is no other option the majority is not always right but God is always right whether or not the majority choose to accept it oh I wish somebody would hear me this morning I'm going to tell you in this world when judgment's coming God's got a plan he's got a way of escape but it's not that we sit down and think about our own plans or our own ways God doesn't have a thousand different ways to get to heaven. Amen. God doesn't even have two different ways to get to heaven. God's got one ark with one door and if you're going to be saved you got to go in through that one door. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 9 the apostle Paul amen said this I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel uh-huh. which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ yes listen but though we though we are an angel from heaven preach any 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 other gospel unto you than what we the apostles have already preached to you Paul didn't say well he's got his ideas and I've got my ideas and you got your ideas Amen. you go your way and I'll go mine and we'll all get to heaven at the very same time that's not what the apostles said he said there's one gospel and it's the gospel we the apostles have already preached and I don't care now if an angel comes down he's flapping his wings in your face and strumming his harp in your ears I don't care who it is if they preach anything different than what we the apostles have already preached let him be accursed why do you say that Paul because there's only one ark because there's only one door there's only one way that we're going to get out of this old world that's going to be judged there's only one plan to save us Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5 says there is one Lord and there's only one faith and there's one baptism. Amen. Let me tell you what the plan is. Let me show you where the door is. Acts chapter 2 beginning with verse number 37. When they heard this they were pricked in their heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren show me. Show me how to get on that ark. Show me how to get on that boat tell me what I gotta do to escape the judgment that's coming then Peter said then unto Peter them, said unto them repent, repent not be believe baptized. not confess not accept he said repent and, and be baptized every one of you, one of you in, the in the 
name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call oh hallelujah there's only one way for you to get on board this ark there's only one door that you can go through that's what I learned, amen, from the world's first crisis, amen. When God gets ready to save, he doesn't have multiple different ways. He's got one plan. And friend, if you're listening today and you've never repented of your sins, you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want to tell you, you need to hurry up and get on the ark. You need to hurry up and get on the ark. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm trying. I'm trying to hurry. Amen. Amen. Number four. Number four. The fourth lesson from the world's first crisis. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house. Come thou. Now wait a minute. Look at this. Come thou and... All thy house into the ark. Read. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. For thee have I seen righteous. Come thou and all thy house. Amen. Those were the eight souls of which Peter wrote. Noah and his wife. Noah's three sons and their wives. Those were the eight that got on board. Let me tell you lesson number four from the world's first crisis is this. Reach for the world but be sure you save your family. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I care about the lost. I care about those who don't know the Lord. I care about those that are not on the ark. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to spend all my time trying to reach for everybody else and neglect my own family. I'm going to, I'm going to preach to somebody here today. If you don't care about being saved enough to worry about your own soul, how about worrying about your kids? How about caring about your grandkids? How about getting on the ark? to lead them in the right way. I'm going to tell you, reach everybody you want to reach. Help everybody you want to help. But in the end, you got to save your family. I don't, I don't believe Noah ignored the rest of the world to save his family. But I don't believe he ignored his family to try to save the rest of the world. There is a need for balance. And we cannot afford to neglect either side of this equation. Amen. Amen. I, I'm going to tell you. Amen. If ever there was a success in the scripture, it was Noah. Yes. Noah was a successful soul winner. But he didn't reach thousands. He didn't even reach hundreds. In fact, he didn't even reach ten. But he did reach his family. He did reach his family. Well, hallelujah. Amen. He did reach his family. Oh, I feel like preaching to somebody today. I wish I had a little bit more time, but I feel like making an appeal to somebody today. Hallelujah. You need to care about those that are looking up to you. Amen. Husbands, what about setting a godly example in front of your wife? What about leading her? Amen. In the ways, in the ways and paths of righteousness. Wives, how about leading your kids? How about teaching them how to pray? How about teaching them scripture? I'm going to tell you something. we got a wicked world out there. And if anything, I believe God has given us an opportunity during this crisis to spend more time trying to save our families. It's time for you to realize, amen, there's a church in your home and you got to save them. Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. If you try to reach this world, but you only 
save your family. You're still a success in God's eyes. I believe destruction is coming on the earth. I don't know when. Nobody knows the day or the hour. But I believe we are closer now than we've ever been. And there is a, this is the time that we need to build an ark and make it big enough for our families and for the lost. Now my last point today, my final point uh, that I want to talk about. As I said in the beginning, there's a lot of, a lot of memes that are floating around out there. A lot, of, a lot of posts that are being made that appeal to Noah and talk about Noah. And there was one that I, I saw that I didn't really understand why it just really gripped me. And I, I had to go and get my Bible open and start reading through because I felt like there's something here. It's not stated in the post. It's not stated here, but there's something else in the scripture that I, I really need to see about all of this. So I'm going to ask you, give me just a few moments to develop my final point here today. This post that caught my attention said that Noah was quarantined in the ark for about 12 months and that people should consider how bad Noah had it during his shelter-in-place order. Now, if you're wondering, yes, Noah did indeed spend about a year on the ark. In fact, if you really make a close study, and I don't want to bore you with details, I'll just tell you this, if you, if you question what I'm telling you now, send me an email, uh, you, you, can, you can write to me, contact us through our website, or just send it to, to prayer at olathatruth.com. It'll get to me. Uh, but but send, if, if you question, I'll, I'll give you all the details. But, but for time's sake, just bear with me. If you go to Genesis chapter 7 and, and verses 7 through 10 and then uh, verse uh, 11, uh, you're going you're to see something here. That, that Noah entered the ark one week before the flood started. He was on the ark a week before the flood started. Now the flood started, the Bible says, Genesis 7, 11, that it started in the 600th year of Noah's life. The second month, the 17th day. Very specific in the scripture. Very specific when the flood started. Started in the 600th year, second month, 17th day of Noah's life. Now he had entered seven days before that. Everybody with me? So seven days before the second month, 17th day, would be the second month, 10th day. All right? Everybody's with me. So that's when he went on the ark. 600th year of his life, second month, 10th day. Then on the 601st year of his life, first month, first day, Noah removed the covering. To view the dry earth. Then on the 601st year. Second month. 27th day. Noah left the ark. And so he was on the ark. From the second month. 10th day of his 600th year. To the second month. 27th day. Of his 601st year. So he was on the ark. For a year. Now I want you to think about what it meant to be quarantined, to have to shelter in place for a solid year inside this ark. He didn't leave. The animals didn't leave. They didn't get to go out on the deck. You see all the pictures, the animals out on the deck. They didn't get to go out on the deck. That didn't happen while the storm's falling. They're stuck inside that boat. You ever been in a house where an animal is stuck inside? Huh. You know, you know how it smells when an animal has been stuck inside of a house for any length of time? While the flood's coming, Noah can't open the windows. Window. Sure not going to open the door. 
They're stuck inside with the animals, with the smell. Nobody but their family. I know, I know some folks, we've been under a shelter-in-place order not even a week yet. Some of you already. Uh, somebody sent me a picture this week of a woman with her hair all wet bent over the sink saying, Honey, hand me the hair dryer. And you can see him standing around the corner and what he's got in his hand is not a hair dryer, it's a pistol. Uh, there are folks that are feeling that way after not even a week. And here's Noah and his family and they're in this thing for one solid year. No other communication with anybody. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have computers. They didn't have any form of communication. And if they had wanted to communicate with anybody outside the ark, there was nobody to communicate with. I hope you're following me today. Can you imagine the torment that must have gripped their minds from time to time? Can you imagine how uncomfortable he and his family must have been? Can you imagine how stir-crazy they got? You talk about cabin fever. Don't you think they had it during this time? Don't you imagine they longed for the opportunity to just make a leisurely stroll down a garden path somewhere? But it ain't happening. And I want to tell you, the floods stopped after just 40 days. But they didn't get out of the boat after 40 days. It's another 11 months. The storm's over. I hope you're hearing me. The storm is over. But they're still locked in. For 11 months, they go nowhere. They are just cleaning up after the animals. Feeding the animals. Trying to take care of one another. Praying. They didn't even have a Bible to read. I can't really fathom how miserable their existence must have been. But that's what brings me to my next and final point. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1. And this is where I'm closing. If the musicians want to come, this is where I'm closing this morning. In Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1. As I got to thinking about that post about him being quarantined for a year. And I, I got my Bible and I started reading and, and looking knowing that somewhere in all of this there's something else beyond just the fact that he was miserable. There's something else that God wanted to tell us. And so look at Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1 and here's what the Bible says. And God remembered and Noah. God remembered Noah and every living and thing. Every living thing. And this is my final point to everybody that's listening right now. I know you may feel isolated. You may feel troubled. You may feel concerned. You may feel alone. You may be questioning what in the world is going on. But I want to assure you something. Amen. God remembered Noah and God's going to remember you. God has not forgotten where you are and what you're going through. Truth Church, God still has us on his radar. He still sees where we are and what we're feeling and what we're going through. Yeah, Noah, I know you're miserable, but there's a God who still got his eye on you. There's a God that's got great plans for you. There's a God that's going to use you to replenish the earth. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. God has not forgotten you. So my friend today, I want to tell you, 
in the midst of everything that's happening. There is a God who knows your name. There is a God who sees and understands everything that you're feeling at this moment. There is a God who has plans for you on the other side of this storm. He hadn't forgotten you. He remembered Noah and he remembered every living creature. God is going to remember you as well. Let's talk to the Lord together. Let's talk to the Lord together. Hallelujah. If you're listening, if you're listening this morning, and you're one of those that's outside the ark, I'm going to tell you the door's still open. It's not too late to get on board. If you'll find a place to pray right now, if you'll kneel in repentance before God, He'll forgive you. He'll let you into the ark. He'll take care of you during this storm. Hallelujah. If you're hungry for him, why don't you cry out to him? Ask him. Amen. To remove the guilt. To take away the stain of sin. Ask him to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He'll meet you right where you are. He'll come into your home. He'll meet you in your car. He'll come to where you're at right now. And his spirit will envelop you. God wants you to be saved. God cares about what's going on and he wants to give you peace that passes all understanding. Oh, let's talk to God, everybody. Let's cry out to God, everybody. Amen. Amen. Let's talk to the Lord today. Hallelujah. God, you see, you see every soul, God, that's tuned in right now. You see, oh God, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. God, in these uncertain times, let them know that you are there for them if they'll just come running to you. Let them know the ark is still open. It's not too late. It doesn't matter where, where they've been. Let them know you love them anyhow. You'll take them in. You'll cleanse them. You'll forgive them. You'll give them strength to change their lives. Oh, let's pray. Let's pray.